our scripture reading you will find in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith he understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made of things that are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by, the, by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not be a sea death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in a land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac, and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he was and he who had conceived and who had received the promises was in 
the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, was, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that he that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall, we, shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking, suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonments. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Our text this afternoon is the first two verses of chapter, the first three verses. Two, yes, the first two. 
Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, as you will probably know, the 11th chapter of Hebrews is very familiar. Many people have memorized the first verses of this passage also. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Oh yes, we know Hebrews 11, right? We know it as the chapter of the Bible that talks about the heroes of the faith. But the question is very real and very important. Have we really understood it? Do we understand what it says about faith? What faith is? When you take a careful look at the history of the church, see, then you find that the church has again and again been in danger of getting off the track, both to the right and to the left. And it still happens to this very day. On the one hand, there is the danger that faith is intellectualized. In other words, as long as you know your stuff, as long as you can talk about faith and about the faith, that is all that should really matter. Yes, that is all that is considered to be necessary. On the other hand, there's the danger that faith is robbed of all knowledge. People say it, as long as you feel it in your gut, and as long as it makes you feel so good, that's all that really matters. Why should you spend all kinds of time trying to hear what the Lord says, or trying to understand what it is the scriptures teach? Why can't what I feel to be the Lord's presence in my life, why can't that be enough? What else could possibly matter? But the fact is, the one line of thinking, as well as the other, is a distortion of the truth. In both, it is not faith, but it is idolatry that you are then and so confronted with. Sinful people, misguided, deceived by the devil people, want to worship their intellect or their emotions, what they know or what they feel. But in neither case do you hear the response to the word of the Lord, which the Lord asks of us, his children. Well now, Hebrews 11 talks about faith. And the fact is, it is important for a right understanding of what the writer of Hebrews is saying. It's important that we understand well why it is the message of this chapter was written. What was it that led the writer of Hebrews to write about faith and about the heroes of faith? To be able to understand that, you have to start reading where the writer begins to talk about this 
in chapter 10. You see, in the middle of that chapter, the writer of Hebrews begins a new section. That section runs from chapter 10, verse 19, through chapter 12, verse 29. In that whole section of the letter, he writes about faith. He urges the readers of his, of his letter to hold fast the confession of their hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He also warns them about the sin of falling away, about sinning deliberately after having received the knowledge of the truth. It is a fearful thing, he says. Oh yes, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And then he tells them about the reward which they will receive who endure. I'd like to read those verses from chapter 10, the verses 32 to 39. But recall the former days, he says, when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so, so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. Did you hear? My righteous one shall live by faith. And if he sh think, shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. See, that is when the writer of Hebrews writes what we call chapter 11. He writes that chapter after he has laid before them in the strongest language possible that they must cling to the faith. Ah, yes, they must live the faith. You see, these people, the Hebrew Christians, faced tremendous hardships because of the fact that they were Christians. Think of it. They were publicly exposed to reproach and affliction. They also faced imprisonment and the plundering of their property. As you may know, such things happen still today in places like China, West Timor, Turkey, Saudi Arabia, Nigeria. Then you know it. That meant and it means terrible suffering. 
And what for? What can you say when people, sometimes members of the church, sometimes leaders in the church, think of the letter to the Hebrew, or to, or to uh, the letter of Jude? What can you say when people slander you, when they falsely accuse you? What can you say when you honestly strive for the purity, the holiness, the confessional integrity of the church, and you are vilified for doing so? What can you do when it is said of such efforts that it is the work of a bigot who seeks to polarize and to divide the church? How can you prove your faith, your faithfulness, because you know it all too well. You know that you have engaged and you're struggling and striving with weaknesses and shortcomings. What really is faith anyway? What have you got when you have faith? Can you prove it? Can you say, man, look, you take a bit of this, and you add some of that, and you mix it all up a bit, and voila, you have faith. Don't you think sometime that it must have been much easier years ago in Old Testament days to be a child of God? I mean, then God would come himself or he would send a prophet to speak in his name. And it must, was almost if you had direct line to God then. Don't you think that faith was easier then? Well, it's possible that the Hebrew Christians had some such thoughts. It is indeed possible that those Christians, facing as they did the suffering of abuse and affliction, it is possible that they said to each other, Oh, oh if only we had lived in the days of Abraham, or Noah, or Moses, how much easier it would have been then to remain faithful to the faith. After all, those people actually got to see something of the mighty works of God, didn't they? Well, now, it is in that context that the writer of Hebrews 11 says, Brothers and sisters, you must know and you must remember it well that faith I guess faith is the assurance of things hoped for, is the conviction of things not seen. Remember, faith isn't something that you can handle or touch as you could handle an apple on a tree. Why oh, no? That's what the secular world says is the stupidity of Christianity. They say, you people are fools. After all, what have you got to show for your faith? What does it buy you? What can you get for it? All you get, folks, is reproach, abuse, and affliction. Well, it's true. 
You can't prove faith. You can't prove the worth, the value of faith by any such secular measuring devices. Precisely because faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the, the conviction of things not seen. And never forget it. So it has always been. It is because the people of old accepted that fact. See, that is why those people received their commendation from the Lord. Well now, the writer of Hebrews wants to show that to us. Yes, he wants to drive that point home to us. You see, that is the reason why he recorded that long list of people of whom we speak as the heroes of the faith. You see, he wants to show the Hebrew Christians who suffer reproach and affliction and imprisonment that it has always been so. And such is his message to us today. Faith, he says, faith has never been a matter of seeing. It has always been a matter of believing, of a believing acceptance of what the Lord God had said, of the word he had spoken. And therefore, so a matter of assurance and conviction. Think of it, he says, in effect. Think of it, congregation. What did a man like Noah actually see? Every day the sky was blue. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. But Noah, see, Noah kept right on building an ark. Oh, you can be sure. The people laughed. They mocked him. They said they ridiculed him. The stupidity of it all. What fool would build a large, a huge boat on dry land with no water in sight anywhere? And then there was Abraham. When he was well along, along in years, the Lord called him. Go, he said, go to a land that I will show you. And Abram prepared to go. What do you think? What did his neighbors say and his relatives? Your imagination has gotten the better of you, they said. You're crazy, they said. A fool. But Abraham went. He left his family, his home, to go to a land altogether unknown to him. But now think, did Abram go on the basis of something visible, touchable, tangible? Surely not. Oh, look at Joseph. Before he died in Egypt, he gave instructions about his bones. Someone has well said, Joseph wanted his bones buried prophetically. You see, 
Joseph said to his brothers, Someday, oh yes, someday the children of Israel will leave Egypt. Swear to me now that when the time comes, you will take my bones with you to that promised land. And they had done just that some 400 years later. And Moses, what do you think of Moses? Wasn't he foolishly busy? The man could have lived a life of luxury as a prince of Egypt. All he would have to do is say the word and his every whim and wish would be satisfied. But Moses, see Moses turned his back on all of that luxury. He chose instead the lot, the suffering, the affliction of his own people. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasure of Egypt, it says. Can you imagine that? And what the writer of Hebrews goes on to ask his readers, what more shall we say? I could not possibly lay before you the lives of all those who by faith did many mighty works. But there's something else I want to recall here, says the writer of Hebrews. What do you, my readers, think of all those who were martyred for the faith? Some were tortured, others suffered mocking and flogging and chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. Why do you think, why were these or those people willing to suffer all that torment? Think of it. None of them ever actually saw in this life that for which they were willing to endure all that hardship all that suffering. Were they not fools then? Were they not mad? Oh no, for sure not. You see, they had heard the word of the Lord. They had received God's promise, his witness, his testimony to them. And they understood, oh, yes, by faith, they understood. What? What did they understand? This. They understood that they were to bear witness to that word of the Lord, even unto death. For faith, never forget it, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, it is the conviction of things not seen. To be sure, for us it is often difficult to understand how the words faith and hope can be mentioned in one breath with words like assurance and conviction. That is so, you understand, because of the way we 
so often use the words faith and hope. See, all too often we use those two words in a way that they really express uncertainty. Think of it. When you say, I hope so, or I believe so, what you then communicate is a certain amount of doubt. Right? Oh yes, you would like the matter to be that way, but you're not all so sure that it really is that way. So you say, oh yeah, I hope so. But, but that's not how the Bible uses those words, faith and hope. See, in the Bible, those words are words that express great certainty. After all, they rest on a sure, on a solid foundation. The foundation of the truthfulness, the trustworthiness of God's speaking. See, the promises of God are sure. Your word is truth, said Jesus in his high priestly prayer. Well now, all the people mentioned by the writer of Hebrews knew it for sure. Their faith and their hope would never, ever be put to shame. All of them, says verse 13, all died in faith, not, not having received the things promised. But, but that was no reason for them to abandon their hope. They could not and if you were to ask, why could they not? Then the answer is simply, they could not because they had a promise from him whom they trusted. They knew it for sure. He who promised is faithful. So, by faith, they saw it. And so, by faith, they greeted it from afar. Ah, yes, with the eye of faith, they could and they did see the promised goods coming ever closer to them, even as they themselves were drawn ever closer to the realization, the fulfillment of the promise. Think of it. The promise beckoned them and they sensed it we we are drawn ever closer to it see that is why they persevered the Lord God kept drawing them tugging them pulling them to the promised reward you see that explains why they look forward to the city that has foundation, whose designer and builder is God. Yes, that explains why they kept their hope, their faith, in spite of all that they were called upon to suffer. For faith, remember, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, is the conviction of things not seen.
I believe it is very important that we, in the turmoil of our time, keep that confession clearly before us, that essential characteristic of faith. There are many things, many forces, that disturb the health and well-being of the church today. I don't really have to elaborate on that here. All of us experience the conflict and the turmoil that constantly threatens the life and well-being of the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. But I do want to say, not only is that a disturbing experience, it can also be a faith-threatening experience. You hear it said, you may have said it yourself, how come? There is so often disharmony in the church. Why is that? Why can't there be a peace, unity, shalom in the church? How can it be Christian when people of the church are so often fighting and bickering? Oh yes, that, that is tremendously disturbing. And you may indeed cry over it, but don't you forsake the faith because of it. And don't grasp at illusions. Because you see, it is true. There are some very sad reasons for disunity in the church. There often are power struggles and personality conflicts. But, never forget it, there's also the power of unbelief. Yes, there's the power of wanting to see, to prove. And there's the power of the evil one who goes about as a roaring lion seeking those whom he may devour. Remember, he, the devil, he preys upon the sinful inclination of our hearts. Oh yes, he uses people, people of the church, to advocate his soul-destroying word. The letter of Jude makes that very clear. You should read it this evening. It is he, the devil, who says, people... You should be able to see. You should be able to test. You should be able... <coughs> you should be able to prove. But the Lord says, not so. The Lord says, don't you believe it. It is only by faith that you see. It is only by faith that you understand. He and understand well what the writer of Hebrews says. It is by faith... We understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Did you hear? Listen. The writer of Hebrews continues by explaining what he had just said there. People, he says, readers of my letter, remember it well. The things which you today can indeed see and put to the test 
Those are things of which the Lord says they were not made. Hear well. They were not made out of things that are indeed now visible. This is what he says. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen by people today was not made out of things that are visible. Therefore, you can never put such things to your tests. There is nothing for you to grab hold of so as to place it in your test tubes. Do you believe that? Oh, yes. The devil says, people, you should be tolerant and broad-minded, open-minded. After all, your God is a loving God, isn't he? Surely he will not cast aside, cast out people who are of goodwill. But the Lord says, beware of people who will not endure sound teaching. Such people have itching ears. They accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Such people turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. It is he, the devil, who says that the road to life is broad. Why should you endure hardship and suffering? But the Lord warns, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy, that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. But the gate is narrow, and the way is hard, that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So the Lord beckons us, hold on to the faith, for that, that is your strength. Remember, he says, remember it well. It is not what you can see or explain or reason out that is the certainty of your life. It was not so in days of old, and it is not so today, and it will not be so in days to come. But my word, my word of promise, see, that, that is your strength and your song and life forevermore. Entrust yourself to me, says the Lord. Live by faith, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Praise the Lord. Amen.